Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am back. <laughs> it's your girl, Jacqueline, alongside my co-host, Mr. Mark Ellis. I missed you, sir. Welcome back. <laughs> Your dreams were your ticket out. You went to France. You went to Texas. You went all over the globe. And Rome. Jet yeah. setting. And Rome. So you're covering movies. You're at festivals. You did all the things. And now you're back here. Back here. And honestly, it's it's good because I felt like my absence, it was feeling a bit devious. <laughs> a bit insidious. You felt guilty. <laughs> I just felt and you set so up our movie. wrong to not be here. But what, since we are back, we are going to be talking horror. That's right. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Insidious Chapter 2. And alongside us today, we have a great host. He is a video creator on TikTok. He's also the host of House of Cinema Podcast, lover of movies, literatures, and a very controversial talk to a topic we'll get to <laughs> later. Cinema Joe, sir. Welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Is it controversial? I cannot believe this is controversial. But so, uh, I, I can't wait to hear more about this opinion because we kind of dusted it. <laughs> before we went to air. Yeah. And I know a little bit of the backstory, but Jacqueline, you you were in deep in the trenches when this uh, sort of came, when this this movie that has caused some of this controversy yes. had come out. So this is what it is. So Rotten Tomatoes, people, they have, as y'all know, listening and watching, they have y'all have feelings, y'all have opinions, <laughs> and you get up in your feelings about it. And one of the things was the highest ranked movie on Rotten Tomatoes. We have a list. On the out, tomato meter. On the tomato meter. And for the longest time, it was Citizen Kane. <laughs> and then our archives, Tim Ryan, who we'll talk to later, his team, so blame him, went and discovered a contemporary <laughs> review of Citizen Kane that trashed it because people People don't remember Citizen Kane was actually not very well received. It was too avant-garde for its time. Didn't win the Oscar. Didn't that win was the Oscar. How green was my valley? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Smodown. Just saying that you forget things. But that's what I remember. Uh, so when it went off, Paddington 2 became the highest ranked movie. And like that was like a whole nother <laughs> thing because the Paddington 2 people were so excited until lo and behold, we found another review, and then Paddington 2 got dethroned, and then the Paddington 2 people started flooding my inbox and DMs with what did you do? And so, <laughs> so when you a show yeah, is... you saying, are you one of these people? No, 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 no. I, I was not in the DMs. Okay. Uh, well, was I, <laughs> was I spearheading like... the movement to kind of bring back Paddington to the forefront to number one spot above Citizen Kane? 
I may have been there. Oh on my the front god, lines. we have the saboteur in our midst, ladies so and gentlemen. So you're pro Paddington too. <laughs> pro Paddington too. Uh, I want to say I'm anti Citizen Kane. <laughs> you hate Citizen Kane? Why? Uh, but I mean, <laughs> Orson Welles is just rolling over in his grave. Paul right King now. could maybe do Citizen Kane, but could yeah. Orson Welles do Paddington too? Is the real question. <laughs> I think the real thing we need to ask ourselves is: in maybe 30 years from now, can we see Paddington do ads for Ripple Wine? <laughs> maybe. Absolutely. Honestly, I was thinking about the guy that voices Paddington too when you were saying that, and I was just picturing him because I always forget <laughs> what he looks like. And then I was like, wait a minute, who voices him? And then I thought of his face. He's the guy. He's such a. He plays creeps on TV, but he has like the most angelic voice. It's uh, a, isn't that Ben Winshaw? Ben Winshaw. Yeah. Yeah. And he also is in um, This May Hurt. Where he plays like a really like angry nurse. And so I was literally, I'm like, that's Paddington. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's a great gig. The bear is adorable. I love Paddington too. But you know, Citizen Kane's up there too. I I Which honestly, one would you pick? I, I would go Citizen Kane yeah. for wow. the history of it. Um because well, I enjoyed my time here, but <laughs> you know, Oh my god. I feel like Paddington too at least was able to like springboard off of the first Paddington, whereas Citizen Kane just had to like conjure itself out of nothing. Um, a lot like Insidious 2 <laughs> got to rely on the lore of the first Insidious, which was a monster hit, as was the second yeah. one. I think the second one, on a budget of maybe what five, six million dollars, yeah. made like over 150 million dollars at the box office, but it's still just that first Insidious movie. That is fresh, and and it's it's fresh. So I'm not going to knock it, but it's 66 percent fresh. So you're in Freshville, but you're not exactly in the nicest part of town. Yeah, let's take a trip back because uh, in uh, Insidious Chapter Two is 2013. So this was like the heyday of what we would now call the found footage era of, ho of horror. <laughs> this is a very different time. So let's take a trip back. It's Insidious Chapter Two. It's 38 percent rotten with a 58 57 percent rotten audience score. So even the audience is kind of mixed on this one. Um, we're talking about it because Insidious. Red Door. This is now the fifth installment. Will be out July 7th. Ooh. And this is a direct sequel to this installment. So for folks that maybe haven't seen it, we have a ton of editorial on there, including all of the Blumhouse Horror Ranked, if you want to check that out. I'll just ask you, Joe, like, what's your just real quick history with the Insidious franchise? How deep were you into it? Was this like your fave? I, I was a huge Insidious fan when it came out. I saw it in theaters. I was uh, with a bunch of friends. It was a big deal. I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere, it felt like. I mean, this one was earlier in Juan's career, so we knew who James Wan kind of was, you know, via Saw. Mm. But uh, I, I went in pretty blind, and I thought it was tremendously horrifying. Great. I had a good time watching it. So then Insidious Chapter 2 comes out. I uh, was all in. All in. All my chips are in on this at this point. Um We'll get into more about our feelings on Insidious 2, but as the franchise progressed, it has gone in an interesting direction considering this is kind of like weirdly parallels the Conjuring movies, which are also coming out around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but Insidious kind of falls, I don't want to say falls on the wayside, but it starts to live in the shadow of the Conjuring series. Um, but I've always been a big Insidious fan. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Well, we'll get to that one. Before that, though, I want Mark to do the great awesomeness because you're really going to have to give a synopsis of Insidious 1 and 2 to give it a synopsis. But if you can, please, sir, let us know what happens in Insidious Chapter 2. All right, so some spoilers, especially for the first Insidious, because the end of the first Insidious leaves off where, oh, thank God we got out of that one. All right, everybody's okay. Let's have a nice uh, let's have a nice evening, and uh, we solved the thing. Oh, but we didn't, though, because Patrick Wilson, at the end, you see a photograph, and it looks like he's the 
the one that actually strangled Lynn Shea's character, Elise, at the end of the first movie. So now we open the second movie and we're investigating who strangled her. We know that it was somebody taking over Patrick Wilson's body. We don't really know what was happening. It turns out that the fingerprints on her neck are not Patrick Wilson's. More on that later. And so we're cleared, but there's a lot of strange crap going on in the houses that we inhabit. And it doesn't necessarily to be the houses that are haunted so much as the people that are inhabiting them having some demons that they have to reconcile. And so now Patrick Wilson is sort of fighting for his life as the rest of the family's thinking, do we leave this guy? Do we just pack up the stuff and go? And <laughs> it's not that easy because one of the kids is starting to now talk to the other side that we refer to as the further in this film series. And so we basically have to go on a mission into the further. We meet some old friends there and we come back out on the other side. But are we better for the experience or do we just infect more people with this thing <laughs> that now you know there's an afterlife and you know there's a lot of other crazy stuff going on, all predicated on this one like really murderous uh, entity that is appears to be a woman who looks like the woman who comes into my room occasionally at night because I have that sleep. What's the sleep sleep paralysis? Oh I'm telling you, it's the same lady. She comes in. She's she's past middle age, but I wouldn't call her elderly because I don't want to offend her because, again, she's in my room half the time. She walks in like a black dress, and she just lays on top of me. This puts a lot of pressure on my chest. This hasn't happened in a minute, but it used to happen a lot. And uh, the, like it, around the time Insidious came out. I think I found the connection now that I think about it. Oh I think maybe God. I saw these movies wow. way too many times. But yeah, she like puts pressure on you. And people who have sleep paralysis will say, like, no, it's the same, it's the same person coming in. Oh, and she's like evil Santa Claus. <laughs> so she comes in, she puts a lot of pressure on you, and it's that like weird, like you're in between sleep and awake and you wanna fight it. It's like like when you're up at bat and and the pitch is coming and you want to swing at the fastball, but you just can't for some reason. That's how it feels. So it takes like a good 30 seconds to like get her the hell out of your room. Then you wake up and you're fine. But yeah, anyway, that's the person in Insidious. Wow. That was wow. uh so that's a way to describe the movie. Yeah. 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 It really personal journey I took on this one. <laughs> I, again, I haven't seen her in a minute. I think my herbal like, medication. Is this real? But, yeah. Like you really see a person. Sleep paralysis. She walks into the room. She just kind of floats in, lays on top of you. Very pushy broad we're talking here. Okay, I just want to make sure, because like I literally thought that you were actually saying that you felt a presence. I was like, do we need to go into your ghost I think hunting? he is saying that. It's not a ghost. No, it's, it's not a ghost. It's, this, it's just it, the feeling of oh, sleep paralysis. Oh, okay. See, he thought I thought too. you were saying an actual person. I thought you were person. talking about an actual. It feels like it. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, I get that. And the first time it happened, I thought it was a ghost. <laughs> okay. Like you were telling that so convincingly, I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, if I'm <laughs> sleeping on my back all night, it might happen again. So I, I, I'm a side oh, sleeper. Okay, oh. well, that makes good sense. I also have a guard dog now. Yeah, <laughs> Molly takes care of her. Oh my god! Honestly, I literally was like, "Wow, Mark, uh, your house is haunted. You should move." <laughs> like, uh, well, according to Insidious rules, moving doesn't help. No, this is true. You we're are gonna haunted. get in. We're gonna get into that. <laughs> Why don't we? Oh, Joe delivered that line exactly like uh, Specs and who's the other guy? Yes. In Insidious. Oh my god, Specs and Tucker. They're so good. Don't do that to him because they're my biggest beef with this. But let's start with let's start with really? you. Wow. Okay, we we'll talk about it. We'll talk. Joe, sir, yes. let's go ahead and talk about this one. Is Rotten Tomatoes right or wrong about Insidious, especially on the on the tomato meter with the 38%? 38% on the critic side. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong or right? In the long run, <laughs> I'm going to say Rotten Tomatoes is right. Oh, okay. No, wow. not by, uh, you know, like 38%. Maybe you push it to 45%. But I don't That's think this close. is entering uh, fresh territory for me. I think this is a, a pretty big 
step down from the first Insidious, yeah. if I'm being completely honest. Especially because Insidious, you know, really introduces a lot of interesting concepts, uh, villains. I mean, we kind of talked about this before the podcast started recording. Hold up, we're but... gonna get into that movie talk. But you're saying you're saying it's rightish. I think it's rightish. I think it's okay. rightish. Yes. Man, um, do I have to be? Um, am I going to be this girl today? What are uh -oh. you going with? Well, I, I sort of agree with Joe in that I was expecting a certain other entity slash characters to pop out mm -hmm. that, that never sort of did, and so I was left feeling a little flat. But I counter that with I like the way that they expanded some of the mythology in this yeah. world, and so I, it's not as good as the first Insidious. I didn't think the scares were as potent in this one, but I would get it just on the border, maybe on the other side. Of Freshville. So whereas the first Insidious mm. is like just limping into fresh territory, I think this one, I would put it around, I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, but I would put it 55, 56, 57 percent. I don't think I would get it that. I do think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. You know what's really weird? Whatever the score is, again, it gets in that 43 range, which gets me on my movie that I have a hard time with. But the one thing I will say <laughs> about this, I know Insidious is a better movie than 38 percent. I think I would have to honestly see it in a different light than I saw it this time for me to say where that is. Because I'm also looking at this from like 2023 eyes mm. where like things don't look as clean as they did in 2013. Like some of the props and some of the other stuff. It just, it doesn't, I know I liked that a lot better back then than I do now. Are you comparing this to all the fancy pants movies you saw at Cannes? No, I'm comparing <laughs> it to like, Malignant. I'm comparing it to, you know, yeah, okay. uh, some of these more recent horror movies that were on streaming services that look better than this one. And this was a theatrical. So that's not fair to the movie, but it's like, I don't know where the number is now. Anyway, that's where I'm saying, I will say Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is wrong, but I can't like give you a number. If I had to, I would say 42. It's no Paddington 2. We can it's all agree that. It's definitely no I Paddington mean, 2. few things are in life, <laughs> yeah. but let's be honest. Um, I definitely, I could get it up to a 40, maybe even a 50, but not 55. So anyway, let's go ahead right now and see what the critics were saying back then. Let's listen to my favorite segment, Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. Director James Wan and writer Lee Whannell cut their teeth, not literally, on the Saw films. So their 2010 movie, Insidious, was something of an about-face, a haunted house story that was moody and atmospheric rather than ultra-gory. But while the original won a decent measure of critical plaudits, Chapter 2 was largely felt to be a rehash, and one that looked especially mediocre coming on the heels of the certified fresh The Conjuring, which was also directed by James Wan and scripted by Lee Whannell and was released just two months before. Insidious Chapter 2 is rotten at 38% on the tomato meter with 130 reviews, and it has a 57% audience score. And just for comparison, Insidious from 2010 is fresh at 66%. Insidious Chapter 3 from 2015 is rotten at 57%, and Insidious The Last Key from 2018 is rotten at 33%. And if you can't get enough James Wan, Lee Whannell talk, we covered Saw on a previous podcast. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Jeanette Katsoulis of the New York Times wrote, A mess from start to finish, though judging by the ending, this story won't be over anytime soon. Insidious Chapter 2 is the kind of lazy, half-hearted product that gives scary movies a bad name. However, in a fresh review, Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune wrote, Juan is getting better and better at figuring out what to do with the camera and maneuvering actors within a shot for maximum suspense while letting his design collaborators do the rest. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Insidious Chapter 2 is decidedly short on the tension and surprises that made its predecessor so chilling. So that's Insidious Chapter 2. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Mark. And their line of work? 
things tend to happen when it gets dark. Back to you, folks. His taglines are getting so good. He's like so I good. love them. Like it's just like give the tra- cut the check, give the trailer. That right there is Tim. It's amazing. All right, let's go ahead and break down a little bit more with Insidious Chapter Two in our movie talk section. I want to start here because it's so interesting. We talk about Lee Wanell and James Wan, but also now Blumhouse, because for folks that don't know, they've sort of like partnered together. They're going to be doing this huge new venture. And this was really like the early days of like Blumhouse. This is not too far after Paranormal Activity, but this is before we get to something like Get Out, which you could say was like the maturation of that studio. Joe, what is sort of your feelings about Blumhouse and particularly what Jason Blum's been able to sort of do with horror over the past 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, you could arguably say that they've revolutionized horrors, maybe a a very dramatic turn, but they've really introduced a lot of new horror to the mainstream culture. Paranormal Activity was a big turning point, taking a movie with a micro budget and then for Blum to take a chance on it and then tell people, let's watch this movie and, and put it out for the world, becomes a huge hit, a franchise within its own. Uh, and now they've kind of evolved so much. They, you know, won an Academy Award with Get Out, and now they're just producing, you know, they did Halloweens. Mm-hmm. They're doing so much now. Um, you know, Blumhouse, the, the reinvigoration of horror the last 10 years, you could put, say, Blumhouse is a large part of that. And I think that it's exciting for horror fans for the next, you know, for the future with Juan and Wanell. Um, Blum has done a lot. And I think, you know, horror fans are really grateful for that. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Do you have a favorite, like, deep-cut Blumhouse movie? Because they do more than just horror. That's what I love when they, like, come and pull something out of, like, out of whack. I have a, I love those. Yeah, and, and I just love the model that they have where it's like we're, we're going to make quality cinema on a budget and we're going to put it out and people get excited to see these movies in a movie theater. Like, I mm. love when, when something comes out and it feels like an event and you want to see this kind of stuff opening night. Even if it's not the best movie, which Insidious Chapter 2 isn't, or the best franchise, yeah. which I think Insidious is in terms of horror, but you je- you love that feeling of being in a packed theater yeah. on opening weekend and seeing that stuff where you get scared, and then you laugh at how scared everybody got, <laughs> and then you get scared again because that was just a cat. It wasn't the real scare. There's something yeah. else behind the door. But in terms of, like, like I think the benchmark for these, and I'll go back to one of the producers of this movie, Oren Pelly, yeah. who, who kind of, like, like just brought Paranormal Activity. You talk about making a movie on a shoestring budget. I still love PA3 the mm. most because the wow. oscillating fan trick. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just so well done. But then you also take Insidious and separating the lore from the conjuring is something that we may not have to do much longer because there's there's rumors that maybe w- there can be some sort of crossover or maybe a crossover with the cities and sinister. I, I, I'm not sure how you want to take it, but the Patrick Wilson effect in all these <laughs> movies, and and it's it's even tougher to separate the beginning of this movie because the first name you hear I think is Lorraine, and you're like, yeah. wait, yeah. is this that Lorraine Warren or yeah, is this yeah. somebody else? Patrick Wilson's here, but it's a very different Patrick Wilson in these movies yeah. than you would get in The Conjuring. Conjuring came out in 2013, I want to say. Yeah. 
And so Insidious this was, that was predates it. Really gets uh, gets that going is when they start doing the Conjuring. That's when James Wan becomes James Wan. Yeah, yeah. and and it just it, it's new, fresh, fun franchises where you're not trying to reinvent again Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. or Friday the Thirteenth or even Halloween. These these classic ones from all, our collective youth. It's new stuff. And maybe it's starting to feel a little repetitive now Mm -hmm. because we've had so many Conjuring movies and we have a new Insidious movie coming out on July 7th. But I still like that they can play with the lore in ways that I don't think those sort of father figure franchises can anymore. I mean, I I think anytime you're getting into your fifth fifth and sixth chapter, you're going to have a hard time (laughs) making folks feel like this is going to be new. I mean, this is what, 20 movies deep in the sort of lore of all three, including Sinister. I don't even know where you put stuff like The Nun, but it's also part of that sort of like... The Conjuring verse. Yeah, you know what I mean? I forgot there were three Annabelle movies. You know, I mean, like, you're you're getting pretty deep. Um, I always like reminding folks about this one. Jason Blum and Blumhouse also produced Whiplash. Yeah, that's right. The Damien Chazelle movie. I just like that one as like a deep cut. I, I think, look, I... I did not. I was not about it. This was back when I didn't watch horror movies. You, yeah, you weren't always a horror movie guy. No, wow. I was not. And it wasn't against horror movies. I enjoyed horror movies. I had too much trauma and fear to watch them <laughs> without worried about, like, sleeplessness. And this movie, I will say, had a little bit of that. Because then I had to go back and watch, like, Insidious Chapter 1. And, like, just some of the scares in these are just, like, they're not fun. Like, I, I have a piano in my house. Oh, I have a grand piano in my house. So this was maybe not the movie for me to watch at 9 o'clock at night. Actually, let me set the scene for me watching this movie last night. It was great. So I was 500 pages deep on this, like, incredible mafia romance novel. I mean, this guy was amazing. Your it romance was, novels have moved on to from, from the sports locker room yeah, into the sort of world of romance. crime. Oh, wow. my God. It was so great. It was uh, just so explicitly awful. It was amazing. 365 days doesn't have anything on this book. And so then I was like, oh, it's like nine o'clock and it's dark. I need to go watch the Insidious movie for tomorrow because I know I've forgotten it. And that was just too big of a switch. Like that was just like too big of a switch to go from like Rafia romance to like, let me scare you with the ghost people and like creepy Patrick Wilson. I was so freaked out. I was like, not about it. I, it like creeped me out extra. It's a violent turn. Yeah. Um, I, I do say that that I think that when you're watching, when you're talking like to one of your friends and they get scared watching a movie, it makes it more entertaining for you. <laughs> so like what you went through actually makes Joe and I probably appreciate the movie more oh my God. because we know that it affected you that way. Ugh. I grew up in a house that had a piano and a grandfather clock that would go off at like random times. Yeah. And again, this is all in the landscape of Williamsburg, Virginia, Fair. haunted oh, wow. since the 1600s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you would, and usually it was just like the cats jumping on the piano, but you just never know. Yeah. And and, so, and Molly the Wonder Dog is older now, so she's she's not no longer a guard dog. Mm. She's kind of like my nap buddy. And so if I get up in the middle of the night to get some water or something, like I'm gonna see that woman in black because I just watched this movie. Like, I'll invent ways. And I'm coming off of uh, Brian uh, Perez, our producer's wedding in Catalina Island, which I didn't realize is haunted as hell. Really? That entire yeah. island is a green door, apparently. There's a theater that's like a, one of these green doors, without getting too much into that, not, not a red door, but a green door. Man, you, do you want to like a second life is like one of those comedian like ghost hunters? Because you were freaking me out. Today, I man. would <laughs> never trade stand up for anything. But if I had to turn my, my stand up card in for something, 
I don't know. I get really scared there. I'm and like, that's why I love these movies. It, it's it's that classic attraction, like Joe, your hat says watch more horror movies, right? Yeah. Always. I, I I've never been able to articulate why I love watching them so much because like they do affect me. Yeah. People always think if you love horror movies that you're not scared by them. And oh, it's like, no. no, it's the exact opposite. opposite. I don't know why I continue to do this to myself, <laughs> but I still enjoy watching it because I know it is gonna keep me up at night. I mean, I will say this. Overall, obviously you're a pretty big horror head like rank the sort of like within this James Wan like where you put the franchises because it's really even silly to say the movies at this point because there's too many of them we'd spend 20 minutes like on all of it but like where do you put Insidious as it relates to like The Conjuring I mean you could even say the Aquaman James Wan universe <laughs> uh, Sinister um, yeah what, Furious 7 <laughs> not, I mean, that, I mean, not yeah. that far not that far maybe emotional movie maybe. emotional movie um, yeah it's true that is true Malignant is is for me top tier one. I'm a malignant stan. I will mm. die on the hill for malignant. So I'm malignant number one. Then I would go maybe I'd go probably the Saw franchise. Okay. Then the Conjuring, and then Insidious. Now, now it's important to know. I like Insidious one a lot. Big fan of Insidious one, two, three, four. Uh, we'll talk about those later, I'm sure. But, you know. We covered four. Like, I covered four for us here. I remember that was, like, very early days of me here. And, like, I'll I'll have fond memories of that because I was like, oh, they're sending me to see a movie. And then I saw that one. Well, isn't it funny that, like, <laughs> now it, it's like if a franchise needs to take a break and, like, sit yeah. on the bench for a little bit. I feel like Insidious has done its time on the bench. And now oh, with yeah. the Red Door, it, it's, like, ready to well, come roaring back. And, and what's interesting about us covering this particular movie, I didn't realize this until this morning, is that The Red Door is the direct sequel to Insidious 2. Two. So I guess, like, Joe, what was your biggest issue with Insidious 2 um, that, like, because, like, you you like one a lot, yeah. and then what did what did 2 lack, or did it just take a different direction than you wanted? So I think, interesting enough, what you like about it is what I'm not sure if I'm a fan of. Because I like the further. Yeah, I, I, I like investigating more into that. Yeah. yeah. The first one I think is so interesting because it is you're on the foundation. It's a classic haunted story. This family's haunted, but it does take this weird turn that very few haunted stories take. And that is, oh, your son isn't really possessed. He is possessed, but not really. He's actually lost in the further because he can astral project his body <laughs> out of his physical body. Like, I don't know, a very little few horror movies in the past have actually taken that route, which I think is very interesting. Insidious 2 kind of takes that a step further and says, well, let's uh, throw some uh, time-traveling nonsense into the further. Now when you're in the astral world and the further, you can visit yourself as a youngin and, and kind of figure out some mysteries there. I think it goes a little too convoluted. Mm. And at that point, I just kind of, I kind of lose... I mean, believability is is already out the window. Well, that but. could have been why I appreciated Insidious Chapter Two more than you, is because I was feeling convoluted, and I'm a dummy. Everybody, <laughs> like, like, you know, I, I never know who the killer is. Like, like, I'm not a smart man. But when I watch Insidious in Chapter Two, I was like getting a little okay. Wait, so we can do what in the further, and we can't do other things. But then when it wrapped it all up with that sort of time travel element and it tied it back, it was a callback in stand-up terms into the opening scene. And it's like, oh, now I see what that kid was doing because he was actually trying to help his older self. I thought that was kind of like a nice, we're putting also, a little like, bow on the story. the haunting was himself. Like he was literally haunting, haunting himself. himself yeah. Like that sort of, uh, with the sort of banging. I thought that was cool with it. I think it's 
more interesting to look at James Wan and Lee Wanell because this is also them coming back together, kind of, with Patrick Wilson directing this new one with the story by Lee Wanell, mm-hmm. with a different scriptwriter. Because I do believe on that first one, that was just Lee's screenplay and story and James's direction. And that was the best combination because as James, no offense, I think got more involved in the screenwriting, I think that's where we were married to shots over story development. Like if you really look at this one, the reason why he didn't take as much time to carry through some of these story beats to make the audience stay with it. And it seemed like he gets married to like, oh, I got to get another scene like the jump scare in the kitchen mm. from the first one. We've got to have this one that's just as like important. And a lot of that stuff felt forced. And yes, I do not like the two sidekick dudes. They they wow. annoy Specs me in this Tucker. one. What? I don't like them. They annoy me. I feel like they were forced into parts of this movie. I, I love like Specs them. And Tucker. I like them by the time we get to later installments. Like they grow on me a lot. But like this one, I just felt like they were just like, ugh. It was just like, ugh. That scene in Silence of the Lambs with her and the two dudes, <laughs> like just played out for way longer than it needed to be. I'll tell you Sorry. why I like Specs and Tucker. And, and that's Lee Wanell and Angus Sampson. Yeah. Right? yeah, I mean, I don't like again. I'm not like hating on Lee's performance. I just don't like the, what the characters no, it's, are doing. It's yeah. a little goofy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that they are comedic relief that yeah. that still serves a purpose because they're necessary in the movie because they are these paranormal so, sort of investigative types. But I think I I love the, the the sort of roller coaster ride that this movie takes you on emotionally because you do have those levity. Um, you know, spurts where they're cracking a joke. And I think it makes the next scare pay off a little more Mm. because they sort of keep you off balance. They they, they keep you, their humor keeps you relaxed in a way where you're laughing and you feel safe. But then in the back of your mind, you know, there's something scary coming around that door. The big disappointment with me is that we sort of meet the big bad or, or what we, even though there's a twist with this woman actually being like this creepy dude, I still miss the Darth Maul from the first one. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting for that demon to show up. Like, where, where where's Maul? You know, <laughs> where's the guy? And and you never get that. And so that's why I think I was left out in the cold. But I, I think Tucker and Specs really came to play even more in this one than they did in the first one. I think they should have been peppered in less. That's what I mean. Like, I, just a little bit less. Like, I felt they over-egged their pudding for the reason that you're talking about. I think it's a cheap way to undo the tension, to take the to take the audience off guard, and they they played the card too many times. Joe, break this tie. You know, I, I sit here kind of like <laughs> nodding to both of you guys. I'm like, oh, who am I going to agree with here? I like Specs and Tucker. Do I think they're in it a little too much, a little too goofy for this movie? Yeah, I oh, think so. Man. There's a scene where they like are they have to do this, uh, what's they call it, bear ninja hunter. <laughs> yeah, It's like a rock, paper, scissors I joke. I love that. And it's like... Let's just get into the scariness. Let's just build that tension. Uh, but they have to play this game. Even at the very <laughs> end, when like the big climactic moment happens, you get uh, I think like Tucker jumps out randomly to like, oh, I'm gonna fight you guys, yeah. but it's all over. <laughs> a little too much. And the writer, much. I mean, he wrote it for himself. There's also a little bit of self-serving <laughs> here. You know what I mean? Like this is Lee literally making himself have more parts in his own movie. Like, come on. You think on, he dude. Billy Crystal did a little bit? I and, mean, and I love Billy Crystal, but seriously. I remember my aunt complaining about Billy Crystal movies. Like, look, I like Billy Crystal. He's great. But it seems like he gives himself all the best lines. And I remember thinking, like, in my, like, like you know, little, uh, you know, comedian zygote brain, I remember 
think, well, that's what I would do if I wrote a movie. <laughs> I would just give myself uh, all the money. This is a connection here because you're a comedian. You like What is she bitching about? Forget Paris? What did I, he write? I honestly think it was Forget Paris. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh I think that God. it was either that or like City Slickers 1 or 2. But, I think you know, City Slickers 2 he wrote. Again, there, he's so. great. I love Billy Crystal and I love Tucker and Specs. Um, <laughs> but also that that jumps uh, that the, the relief of the scare at the end. Right. Yeah. Where I'm still not sure if we should trust Patrick Wilson mm. Be- because Patrick Wilson is a guy and-, and he's a great lead for this movie because he is a guy who can go insane. He can go uh, the shining Jack Torrance level. Mm. But unlike what happens with that character and his wife, played by Shelley Duvall, this one, he snaps out of it. And he's back to his normal self. And within seconds, the kids are like, oh, we love you, Dad. And it takes Rose Byrne a little bit longer. It, it takes her, it, it takes Renee a minute. And then she gets back in there. And I still am not trusting what's happening. But then Angus Sampson breaks through with the joke. And I'm like, okay, now we can feel peace for, for the moment, for this scene. But anytime there's a laugh near the end of a horror movie, especially nowadays, I know there's one more page we got to read. And that's what I did appreciate about the ending of Insidious yeah. because that first one was such a great cliffhanger. Yeah. And Insidious 2, the, the cliffhanger scene, nowhere near as powerful as yeah. that first Insidious. But now we do find that it does set some stuff up for the Red Door. And so I think more in retrospect, I might be more forgiving to this movie because I know it was playing the long game. Mm. I mean, was it or did they have to go back and rewrite it? Because I'm like, I like to think they thought this all the way through. I'd like to think that. Me but too. I'm not some, saying they did. There's some batons they dropped along the way along the series that like lead me to think that. Um, whether or not, the other reason why I feel good about it is for as much as Patrick Wilson is just like a great actor in this and he's doing such good work, there's some just absolutely cringy acting moments in this movie. Like just Sequoia level wooden. And the kid is not far from it. Like, I'm sorry, the kid. Ty Simpkins, my boy. At that age, he was not. From Jurassic World. Jurassic I know. World he gets better. He does get better. He's not great in the beginning of this. He's doing a little bit much. It's a bit cheesy. Well, if you're talking about acting presences, the one that I missed in this one, Joe, that, that she shows up eventually, but I feel like Lynn Shea as Elise, I really missed. Yeah. Her fingerprints, yeah. no pun intended, all over this movie, <laughs> as opposed to her just being a corpse in the first scene yeah. and then showing up in the further. I think way too late in the movie. That might be my biggest bone to pick with this movie yeah, is that like she is just so good at building this world in the first one. And we had this feeling as an audience right from the start of the film that we're going to get to meet her again, that her dead on the chair is not the end of her character's journey. And it just took way too long to get there for me. Yeah. And also, like, the fact that they said they had to call her back. I thought that was so cute. Like, oh, no, I'm in the happy place, sweetie. I'm not here with all of you. I ain't going back to you, nerds. Yeah. It almost feels like they noticed that as well because she becomes a bigger presence in the third one and the fourth. fourth. I mean, the fourth, it's her movie. Yeah. So, like, it's almost like they realized, oh, she is kind of like the anchor to these horror movies or this insidious stories. And so they do make her more of a focus in the third one and the fourth one. So, yeah, it it kind of sucks. We don't get to see a lot of her in this one. And when we do, she's in the further kind of Mm. leading the way. But that's like halfway through the movie. You know what really impressed me, though, is the the younger version of Elise. Oh. And I forget the actress's name. In the flashback. Oh, yes. She is tremendous. And I think it was Lin Shay doing the voice. I I, oh. I can't confirm that, but it's it sounded so much like Lin Shay. Either that woman has a dead on Lin Shay impression, or it was Lin doing the voiceover, and it matches so well. And that I really believe that was the younger version 
of that character. So that that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like younger versions of people showing up, the very end we get a very young Jenna Ortega sort of like yeah. being being knighted into the world of horror movies, and now she's a huge success. Uh, thanks in part to the Scream franchise. And she was good in it, so I'm not against oh, child actors. I look, Ty got so much better, especially by the time the series got on, but he. This was acting. He was the kid that got kidnapped and basically laid there in the first movie. He didn't have as much going on. He was the the thing they were trying to get back. This one, I think it was a bit of a stretch. Well, I'm sorry not everyone is your nephew, Timothy Shalom. Oh, my God, <laughs> stop. Uh, hey, listen, that 38% didn't come from just the plot, okay? <laughs> I mean, at least Ty Simpkins get some screen time. They yeah. have another brother. Yeah, like, that's true. Foster is another... <laughs> They forget about that brother That's all the time. So true. Who has less to do in this movie? Oh my Lynch God, yeah. Or the other brother? The other brother. The, the other first brother, and this yeah. one. He's like, he appears uh. for a couple seconds. He talks on like the can radio and then he's gone. You want a oh cool gag God. though? And I love the can radio in this movie. Yeah. I love yeah. where, where they, they're brothers and they sleep across the room from each other and they like play games and like they have forts and stuff. And they have that can radio kind of talking mechanism. And then he picks it up and it's not Foster. And it starts leading into the closet. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like they're bringing that back in the new movie. Mm-hmm. It'll the be trailer. interesting to see, too, because the third Insidious was actually the one where I think they started to like it. That was the one where it got into the 50 range. So even though it wasn't really well received comparatively to this one, they they sort of like got it back. But I don't want to leave this, though. Remember, this was the found footage era. I specifically love that that was something that they did give them something to do in this one. This idea of like looking at found footage as a way to sort of like stitch up the story. I did think that was kind of cool. And the way that they switch up the shots, I thought it was interesting the way Juan directed this movie where, you know, you may not love the characters of Tucker and Specs, but the fact that when we're following them, it is found footage. And you're actually sometimes looking in, you're Blair Witching the movie. And, And I thought that that really worked as sort of a switch up for the more stationary shots that you get of the family and Rose Byrne walking around the house and just losing her mind. Like, if I'm Rose Byrne in this movie, I'm out. I'm yeah. out. One of my kids is in, maybe I'll take Foster. <laughs> and he I'm seems out. fine. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm done with this family. After hearing how far back this lore goes, get me the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah um, Patrick, you get you get, you get get the, the, the haunted kid, and I'll take the kid who has nothing to do but sleep. <laughs> he does have more to do than sleep by the time we get to the other one. Um, <laughs> I will say this as sort of like to sum it up. Was there one moment that you found to be the scariest for this one altogether? Or was there anything that you're sort of like, okay, if you're going to do chapter two, because I have mine, that that sort of like uh, scene with the the guy behind the, the, whatever you call it, the clear glass where the mm-hmm. bodies go, that, that one got me. But what about you? Well, it's interesting because I think someone said earlier that they thought this one was less scary than the first one. I thought it was... Maybe more scary, but with just more jump scares, and naturally mm-hmm. I jump more. Maybe the sure. scares aren't as uh, genuine or as mm. powerful. But uh, for Insidious Chapter 2, there were a couple that got me. There was one where Rose Byrne thinks she's going crazy. She's kind of walking around the house. Uh, furniture randomly flies sometimes. And then the, the camera does this cool trick where it turns, and then the woman is there, and it slaps Rose Byrne, and she like gets like, knocked out. So that was pretty scary. But I think the one that a lot of people will say is like the moment is probably there's a bunch of people on under sheets and they like lift the sheets up. And then one of them is uh, is yeah. the lady and she like reaches at them trying to choke. Uh, I don't know who it is. It's not Patrick Wilson. Is it Patrick Wilson or is it Carl? I don't remember who it is. It She's, may be Carl actually. She's trying to choke somebody. Very scary. I thought that part was very scary. As I well. also love the uh, the loud music from the from the children's toys yeah. that, that would turn oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah, As yeah. sort of like you know the proverbial cat making it. Oh, it's just the cat. This one, it's like the the toys turning on and off. I thought just the sound effect of that. It's one of those great 
again, opening weekend scares, and then everybody yeah. laughed because we were a bunch of adults that paid to see this movie, and we just got frightened by a kid's toy. Yeah, and I will say, I don't know if the piano would have been as scary in the theater, but it Definitely freaked me out last night having yeah. a literal grand piano in my house. And it was just like fun watching them at home for that reason, I, though. I, I don't yeah. know about like, that adds to the to the general scares. I want to just make sure we ask this one. As far as what we're excited for the Red Door, knowing it's a sequel to this, where do you think they're maybe going to go with it, Joe? Or where do you hope they go with it? They, they, I, I hope they bring back the red face demon. That's and it feels like that's the, way, the direction they're going it's just so strange to me to introduce such a scary character in the very first film and, and kind of a, a big pop culture hit. I mean, people recognize that person mm -hmm. as either the Darth Maul villain from Insidious, but people know that person. They know the jump scare, the very iconic jump scare in the kitchen with him appearing behind Patrick Wilson. Everybody knows that. So I hope the Red Door brings him back. I want to get more of him. I, I was sad we didn't see him in Chapter 2. Bring back him. Bring back the music, that weird uh, tiptoe through the tulip song that was played a lot during yeah. the first movie. I want to hear that again. It's a very creepy, like, happy song. I want to see that in the Red Door. I have somehow avoided any promotional material for the Red Door. So, because, uh, like, I know, Joe, you're not a huge trailer what, like, not to. enthusiast, not to. especially, like, trailer two and three and four. It's like, oh, I've yeah. seen enough. You already got my money. Okay. I'm going to go see the movie. I haven't seen a trailer for this. So I don't Ooh. know if they hint at Darth Maul coming back, wow. but if you give me that guy again, at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. <laughs> Perfect. The perfect, yeah. I, what if he has a double-sided I know. I, I, just, I just remembered something, too. I actually, and this is like kind of name-dropping, but not really, uh, just because I'm a moderator. I announced this project at Blumfest. The Blum, really? Yeah, oh. Blumfest 2000. It was during the pandemic, so it had to be like 2020, maybe. Blumfest 2020 was then when this was announced, and I announced it with like Patrick and them coming back. Really? Thanks, Jason, for the gig. It was fun. Yeah. Wow. As as nice of a little career bump as that might have been for you, I think it only furthers your fear of your own grand piano yeah. because you start talking about this stuff, Jacqueline, and it just gets its hooks into you. And I'm sorry, that grand piano. It it may be too late already. It's not that it's like the grand piano would haunt you. It's just like you know, I listen to a lot of instrumental music, and so whenever you just start thinking about like score and pianos and things and then you just start thinking about this movie it's just I don't need those two things to meld have you ever heard like the piano like play itself no but it does sometimes settle and it'll do like a ding ooh yeah, oh yeah, the so hammer. Think yeah, settling. yeah, like it's like if because I. <laughs> That's what you think it's doing. She's it, rationalizing this. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah. Um, because this is the hammer settles, but settle I all do the time. scales pretty much every other day, and so like yeah. Do you want me and Joe to come to your place and Tucker inspects it? No, I think I'm fine. The yeah. person that lives in my house, it, he he handles it. Okay, fine. well we are playing Hunter Ninja Bear after. <laughs> Hunter Ninja Bear, perfect. <laughs> I don't know exactly who wins, like who beats the ninja, who beats the hunter. Well, that, that's why it's funny yeah. because like they're arguing, even though they know there's a clear winner and loser, like rock, I'm paper, scissors, they're arguing thing. that a bear, how does a bear exactly defeat a ninja every time? Mm. It's it's beautiful. Beautiful. I, I, why? why? <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to play into this being real. Like I refuse. <laughs> if like, you like them and comedy is one way to get you to like somebody more. Fair. If you like them, now you're invested in those characters and it's scary when they go down the stairs because now you're rooting for these people Listen. and you love them. You've welcomed them into your heart and now they could be terrorized you, by this demon. Are you just mad because I don't like the comic relief? Does it hit you in a place close to your heart? <laughs> you have spent way too many nights with me on the comedy store ah, patio. I think, I think I understand. I, I apologize. <laughs>
I apologize. Real quick, final thoughts on Patrick Wilson uh, directorial. I think it's debut. Debut, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I love horror movies. I love a good summertime feast. Uh, July 7th happens to be uh, my birthday when Same. I'm doing my pay-per-view uh, next uh, hour special release, Alive oh, and Well. Wow. So I will be alive and well that night hosting that. But probably that Saturday night, I'll probably go check out Insidious, The Red Door. All right. I, I will definitely try but I will be in Mexico <laughs> that week. I'll I'm meet going. you there. I can write that off as a birthday expense. You should. <laughs> yeah. You should. Uh, what about you? You're going you're gonna to see it. Oh, of course weekend. I'm going to yeah. see it. Yeah, and, I love Patrick Wilson. Yeah. And I think giving new directors, especially actors nowadays, a chance at horror debuts, mm-hmm. really exciting stuff. I mean, we saw Peel make his debut, change the world with Get Out. I think a lot of directors especially actor-trained directors, are looking into horror as a way to make their debut. And I'm excited. I love Patrick yeah. Wilson. I'm excited for And especially this. somebody who's like been in this world, it's almost like you've been a backup quarterback for, for yeah. you know five years, and now you're ready for your time to get the starting job. Yeah. He's been on these kind of sets, working with these directors for so long. It's like, oh, now let's see what you got. I think the other thing, too, is like, look, Krasinski, Peel. Yeah. I think Hater just came out in an interview saying he's got Almost an idea one. for a horror oh, movie. Oh, give me that. Yeah. Put that right into my veins. We're going to, I mean, look, the last season of Barry was a horror movie. I don't care what anybody says. Like, so if that's where he's going, I will be watching, though. <laughs> that's going to be it for us on the movie talk section. We're actually going to rip up in our mailbag. So, Brian, cue the music. All right, we have Ketchup Crew member Larry H. Did I miss an episode? How has Constantine from 2005 not been covered? <laughs> it has been. Okay, if I take two full episodes, Jews, that's what's the most be done. Larry, Larry. Larry, your girl's got you. <laughs> oh, we've got you. We've done Constantine. I feel like I've talked about it too much, but honestly, it is the movie I just, I, I still think about. And now I've heard that they're maybe going to shelve the Keanu Reeves one, like. Oh, you mean because they were going to make a yeah. sequel and now it's maybe on the back burner? I don't know if if, if Disbros has that kind of money anymore. Uh, honey, you know I'm I mean? sorry. It's 46% rotten. The audience <laughs> agrees with you that it's fresh yeah. 72%. So, Larry, that was on episode 46 back in July of 2021. We were all so young. Uh, Joe, we know your feelings on Paddington 2 and its greatness. Is there a movie that is rotten that you feel was maligned along the same level as as Jacqueline feels for <laughs> Constantine or I may feel for Young Guns 2? Yeah. Oh, for Young Guns 2? That's yours? Fantastic yeah. movie. We've there's, covered that too as well. There's a lot. Um, there's a lot, I would say. Uh, probably the leader of the bunch was... Uh, let's go with Tron Legacy. Is okay. my... Okay. My ultimate pick for the movie that has a rotten-ish score. I think it's it's not like it's like teetering rotten. Fresh. Garrett Hudlin. Uh, Garrett Hudlin, Joseph Kaczynski, you know, oh, okay. billionaire filmmaker who made a billion dollars off Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Uh, a old and young Jeff Bridges. An wow, old and I young Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Olivia hmm. Wilde. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a fun ride. I love when he walks into the arcade and Journey starts cranking like he got my money already. Mm. Um, it just it's weird that he goes into this new world and I've complained about it before. Wow. And he starts playing this sport for the first time and he's immediately LeBron James. Well, I mean that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be instant. And we saw good. him on a motorcycle earlier, yeah. you know, jumping off freeway and that's doing fair. cool okay. stuff. Okay. Clearly, he's athletic. Yeah. Plus, that Daft Punk soundtrack is. I was going to say, Perfect. I can get behind you on the soundtrack. I, that movie, no. I, think, <laughs> I encourage the, the revisiting The brightness it. of that movie really messes with my eyes, eyesight. I so. wonder if we'll get a new Tron or a new Constantine. For, well, or a new Young Guns the, first. Honestly, I would bet on Young Guns. <laughs> They're working on it. I think the Tron I, is already yeah. in the pipeline. It is it? Okay. Yeah, Jerry, I, 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 I will, think yeah. Joe's got the inside track. If you know about it, I, you, I would, you would know about it. Before you get out of here, please let folks know where they can find you. Yeah. And if you could give us a TV or movie recommendation, sir. 
Okay, you can find me on on the TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter as Cinema Joe. I do a lot of reviews, lists, rankings, uh, rants on there as well. Uh, my podcast, House of Cinema, we talk about movies every week as well. Um, and the last recommendation, a movie recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't want to recommend Across Spider Verse. Feels like everybody has saw that movie already. So, uh, dude, that movie's so good. Though. It's a very good movie. Yeah, good. But uh, Did you see it on Monday? oh yeah, no, I, I saw it uh, over the weekend. Nice. It's so goddamn good. Very good movie. I mean, if you haven't seen it already, go watch it. That's a big, obvious recommendation. But if you have seen it uh, and you want to watch something new, go watch Past Lives, which came out yeah, uh, this past week as well. Really oh, okay. That yep. movie was a game changer for me. So. Done and done. On that the docket. That's a, that's a big awards play. I do know that. Yeah. What up, A24? Uh, that is going to be it for us this week. If you want to be like Larry... You know, you did miss an episode, Larry, but it's okay. You can send, you can send anything you want. Jacqueline's not going to forgive you. Larry. It's okay. It just, it hurts. We could cover it again, but we don't need to. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. Please let us know what you think we should be covering. And wherever you're listening to this, please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you guys next because Mr. Tom Cruise is back. He's running. He's coming into theaters. So we're talking what, sir? Oh, my God. His hair is so good in Mission Impossible, too. Yes, Just the, I've, I've wanted many different hairstyles in my life. Haven't been able to pull most of them off. But my it, when he's climbing the rock at the beginning of Mission Impossible 2, that's just... That is just sex appeal. That is sex appeal. Yeah, I am in. John Woo doing it. <laughs> Mission Impossible 2, baby. Let's do Grey Scott this thing. All I think about is Ben Stiller hosting the TV Movie Awards, <laughs> impersonating him now. Like, <laughs> like they do that thing, and I'm like, that yeah. is the thing. It is like such a thing. Anyway, but I, we will be back for that one next week. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of that. It's just it's so bad. Anyway, Mission Impossible 2 next week. Joe, thank you so much for thank joining you for us. Me. For Brian Remsen, Mr. Mark Ellis, and myself, we'll see y'all next week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Bye, y'all. 